0: bro serious questions uh with silly people i am christina pajitsky back i'm back i took a two-week hiatus and uh, i wish it was for fun things it was not unfortunately my mother passed away and uh it's been ugh you know they say death is fun it's not (laughs) there's a lot that goes into uh somebody dying like like practical things like burial cremation you know, wrapping up their lives, calling credit card companies to tell them that somebody's no longer with us it's uh, it's draining, but um, slowly dipping my toes back into being deep and uh this episode I did with my great friend Dave Reinitz, we discuss optimism, and why bother? why bother being optimistic? I mean, is it even necessary? Does it even help anybody? You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Optimism. Uh, how neat was that? Did you like that? <laughs> I actually do like those products. You know, anything that makes, anything I can buy on the Internet that uh, makes my life easier is kind of my favorite thing. So, all right, here we go. Optimism. Why bother <laughs> with my guest, Dave Rines? I hope you enjoy it. Enjoy it. Okay, so with me is Dave Reinitz, a wonderful friend of mine. I've known you for how many years now?
1: Probably, I don't know. When did you start doing comedy?
0: A million years ago.
1: 98? Is that when you started?
0: <laughs> I think so. 97. No, no, no. No, I was in college uh, uh, probably like 2000, 2001. Okay, so, so. 15 years. I think you helped me write my first fart joke.
1: I'm sure I did, yes. (laughs) And probably your second. Super fun.
0: (laughs) So many fart jokes.
1: Yes. No, I have this memory of following you at the comedy store where I just said, wow, we have enough for Christina. That's one hot chick talking about farts for seven minutes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And there you go. And that's pretty much what I'm known for. The hot hot chick tells lots of shit jokes. So uh, you have a podcast called the Ninety Nine Percent Funnies Podcast. Is that Ninety Nine
1: Percent Funnies Podcast? Yeah, it's myself and uh, Dana Eagle and Who's Michael fantastic. Rainer. Yeah, and fantastic. Uh, Rami Youssef, and we have different comics come on and kind of uh, talk about politics and things from kind of a you know an everyman comics point of view. I guess
0: that's cool. Politics is necessary to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not a lot of comics do politics. I mean, you know, except for what, Bill Maher?
1: Well, no, there's tons of them out there. I just hate being, you know, Jimmy Dore, Bill Maher. Oh, right. I mean, Jimmy political Dore. comedy is red hot, actually.
0: It is now, huh? Yeah.
1: I mean, look what John Stewart's done.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: So, I mean, it's really, it's, it's, it's kind of surpassed comedy in a way mm-hmm. to become where people get their news.
0: Yeah, that's kind of, you know, what's really sad is I was really bummed Colbert, Uh, excuse me, got, uh, you know, switched places because that's how I got my news was the Colbert Report.
1: (laughs) Isn't that hysterical? Isn't that hysterical? I mean, the smartest guy on television has got to be John Oliver right now.
0: Yeah, I love that show too. Super
1: poignant, super smart, super well-researched and put together. And, you know, just content-wise, it's just off
0: the charts. Yeah, because I don't trust the news. I feel like it's mostly... Uh, To sell fear
1: Yeah exactly That's exactly I I couldn't agree (laughs) with
0: you more So it's like I I don't know How much of it is fact And how much of it Is just fear mongering And Right bullshit right basically. it's just they're
1: just selling whatever it is that they're selling for the day
0: yeah you know? have you ever watched the news in another country like canada sure or <laughs> south africa where really horrible things are happening
1: yeah where they actually talk about <laughs> what's actually happening. well I mean, right listen it's about trying to get the opinion out of news news should be about these are the actual facts and separated right. from those people those people's opinions and i think that's where journalism goes horribly wrong yeah and teachers teachers go wrong with that too
0: what, you mean in school and stuff? Yeah, they teach their yeah. opinion instead of, hey, this is a fact, and by the way, this Truth. is my opinion. Well, is it is it possible to be objective e- even as a human being? Well, it's
1: possible to strive to be objective, and it's possible to be aware when you're not and say, by the way, this is opinion. Yeah. You know, I mean, I teach comedy all the time, and, you know, I, I try to catch myself when I'm just teaching my opinion.
0: Tell them about that. So let's also get back to who you are a little bit before we get started. Dave okay. Ryan's comedian. Uh, you own Flapper's Comedy Club. I'm a partner, my partner, partner Barbara and I in, in Flapper's Comedy Club. Which stands. is absolutely one of the most favorite clubs of mine in Los Angeles. Oh, if you haven't you. been to Flapper's in Burbank, and there's one in Claremont too. A little one in Claremont. Yeah. Please go check out their club. If, if Not for the comedy, for the chicken wings. I mean, my God, they're <laughs> from top, the best chicken wings show business. Thank you. Uh, but they do a great job. They do comedy right. You're not going to be treated like an idiot. You're not going to be harassed. And, uh, you know, made to feel like a jerk. Well, you know, I'm a, a comic
1: and Barb is comic. So, yeah. you know, we kind of built the comedy club from a comic's point of view.
0: <sighs> I th- which every comedy club should do and they yeah. don't.
1: Yeah, but there are comedy clubs that you'll talk to the owner and he'll refer to it as a nightclub.
0: Which <laughs> <laughs> just, uh oh, right. just galls me. We're just strippers up there. Yeah, well,
1: or they're just, you know, they're just really in it. For the money, they just, you know, started doing a comedy night once and it worked. And so they turned their place into a comedy club. It had nothing to do with, you know, any kind of a passion, actually, for the art. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Believe me. There's a... Yeah, you know. There's a... (laughs) There's a great comedy club in Florida... That's a seafood restaurant, and a captain owns it—a literal captain. He's got his (laughs) captain paperwork in the green room, and you're like, "Why the fuck did you get into this? You know, like you were just a fisherman, (laughs) a fisherman with a dream and comedy. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, it shows in the club. So, okay. So uh, also, you have the Burbank Comedy Festival coming up. When? uh, That's going to be
1: August sixteenth to the twenty second. Okay, so it's a full week of uh, shows, and we do workshops during the day, and there's cool. industry panels and. Panels are all free to anybody that wants to come, so it's a big community.
0: Okay, thing. so yeah. by the time this drops, you guys will still have time to make it if you're local.
1: Yeah, and the the big shows will be at the end of the week when we do the best of the fest. So all the comics that are judged to have done best in their showcases will come on back for the weekend and be a ton of fun.
0: That's so cool. Lots of
1: after parties, lots of all that kind of stuff.
0: A lot of drinking, doing acid, a- cocaine,
1: acid. It's in, on the flyer. Acid and cocaine. Actually,
0: <laughs> <laughs> is that what you win? Like a, a bag of hash. You win Isn't a bag.
1: That- of, well, acid and. and and cocaine because those go so well together yeah
0: well who doesn't lace their acid with coke
1: yeah (laughs) their coke with acid depending on where you're from have
0: you done acid lately
1: not lately no it's been 25 years since i've done acid
0: good yeah okay yeah that's me me too are you offering (laughs) you want to do it now (laughs) i'm pregnant it doesn't pass the umbilical cord right it's fine
1: i have no idea
0: i heard you can smoke pot pregnant
1: uh, you can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can do lots of stuff when you're. You can <laughs> do lots of stuff.
1: The effect it may or may not have on your child
0: is. Could the you imagine the profound? I could never. The guilt would be overwhelming. Um, so okay, guys. Today's topic is optimism. It's funny because I think Dave Reinitz and I we share a very realist perspective on things. I feel like you're a bit of a realist, but you're also a very positive guy.
1: Well, I always like to put it this way, which is that uh, uh, my girlfriend thinks of me. I don't know if so much some more, but in the past has thought of me as being a pessimist. And I always say, well, listen, I look at the glass and I see the glass half full.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm just aware that the water in it is poison.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so <laughs> you know, it's confusing. Fracking,
1: it's fracking water, that's all.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So I think being a realist uh, is, is healthy. Yeah. And I think striving to be a realist is, super, is a super worthy goal. To see things as they are. To experience them as they really are. And so mm. it's always the struggle to kind of move your ego out of the way. Mm. Because, you know, sometimes the reality is is that, you know, we're wrong. Mm-hmm. And then people have a hard time seeing that.
0: Mm-hmm. And the
1: older you are, the easier it is, I think.
0: To push For your ego me. aside. Me too. Yeah. Yes.
1: To push push your ego aside and just kind of say, oh, I'm oh, wrong.
0: i I screwed that up. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting idea. What you said, it's very Buddhist of you. Very... Yeah, like to see the reality of things. I I agree. The danger of optimism, just blind optimism, Pollyanna optimism, is that you often don't see the reality of what's happening to you in the moment. Correct. And those who deny the truth of what's happening— You will suffer because you'll end up acting in ways that deny the reality of what's going on And you can really screw yourself up and make things a lot worse Right, and
1: you're not and you're not when you're walking around thinking everything is great and it's not you're not an optimist (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? You're You're,
0: dope Well, you're just
1: in denial You're just you're not processing the reality of what's going on Sure So the problem with that is that, you know uh, We make decisions in our life that don't work out the way we want them to all the time all the time and so if you live in reality, you have to kind of say, okay, well, listen, I made a bad choice and look at the situation I've put myself in and so you kind of have to take a little bit more responsibility for where you're at.
0: Yeah, you know, Doctor Phil says the same thing. I, you the know, philosopher, Doctor Phil.
1: The philosopher, Doctor <laughs> Phil.
0: <laughs> well, no, because I, I read I read everything, and I right. I love Doctor Phil. He does. Say Do you really that, love Doctor Phil? I, you know what? Every, I think that every yeah, everyone's got something to say. Everyone's got some some. Not all of it's fantastic, but yeah, there's something great in, in what everyone has. Everyone everyone's got a good five minutes, as they say in stand up.
1: <laughs> that might be it. <laughs>
0: But his thing is like uh, that's how people do get tripped up is they don't acknowledge the truth of the situation. The right. brutal because once you acknowledge it you get over it. You get over the emotions of it. Now it's time to snap into action. Right. And that's where people get tripped up is they the denial part leads to inaction and to inertia. And that's really scary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's it, 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 it runs you, you know it runs the other way as well. I mean you know, we we talked a little bit that, you know, we'd manage some comics. And right now we've got a comic that we're pro- probably going to be moving on from. And, and mm-hmm. it's very difficult. Yeah. And, you know, uh, uh, and Barb, who really runs that side of our business, is just really, you know, beating herself up about it a lot. And, you know, it takes – it's beating not
0: – Beating about about having to let this person go? Yeah, just
1: about the details of it and oh, okay. this is what happened and kind of getting sucked into the details and arguments – as opposed to just kind of the overview, which is clearly it's not working. Right. And so regardless of the details that make that apparent, the important thing is is that that is apparent. Mm -hmm. And so we can either go back and kind of hash through a bunch of details, which is kind of her getting sucked into somebody else's issues. Right, right, right. Or just kind of try to rise above it and kind of accept this is the way this person is dealing with this situation. I can't control that. Yeah. Right? I can just try to kind of absorb it, process it and move on but not get caught up in
0: it. And they're bullshit.
1: Yeah, they always are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we were just, we were saying this a little bit before we I started recording is that what I learned yesterday in therapy is like, I mean, I you, you know this on an unconscious level, but I think yesterday in my shrinks or the day before I was like, "Whoa. Hey, like I realized that um we're all just walking around with wounds. We're all, you know, there's wounds from childhood. There's wounds from this and that. And there's triggers. Everyone's full of buttons and triggers. And you meet somebody and you hook up with them and they trigger something in you and you fight back because you're so triggered and wounded from the childhood wound that you overreact to whatever it is they're doing. And sometimes it is just like, your uh, your you, you don't your triggers don't match up with that person. Yeah, shit or they pisses you off. you off. Yeah, right. They just the way they say this, you. the way they do that. Yes. Yeah. And you don't even know why, and you're just like, oh fuck, I hate you. I just hate everything. Yeah. But sometimes they are just a holes. You Need to cut them out. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so the philosophy portion of this episode... <laughs>
1: was that our philosophy portion?
0: <laughs> that was not it. That was oh, okay. like the appetizer. That was the
1: preliminary...
0: Is, is your head hurting yet?
1: No, my head feels explode? No, you're
0: good. I know. So, okay, the uh, the philosophy bit of this, it's interesting. There, there's a guy named uh, Leibniz. Have you heard of him? Leibniz? Leibniz. Leibniz? Leibniz.
1: I have not. He's German?
0: A, he's an old guy. So, uh, I don't even know. Is he German, probably. Anyway, this guy. So his philosophy
1: <laughs> ends with "and kill the Jews," is and to that... kill the Jews.
0: <laughs> I don't remember what Leibniz, but I'm sure it is. It sounds. Anyway, he was a mathematician, and he invented and formalized symbolic logic, also known as calculus. So, if you took calculus in high school, you can blame Leibniz. I did not. For oh, I certainly didn't. I, did I got not. to algebra two. That's as far as I, I...
1: liked algebra. Geometry <laughs> you fucked did?
0: me up. I love geometry. It's the only only math I was I'm, good at. I'm
1: dyslexic
0: oh so it was
1: really hard for me to process geometry words words are good no like algebra was good oh that's kind of logic so Letters. that worked but yeah the angles and then
0: i like that yeah, proofs and stuff didn't work for me wow it's like spelling oh well, i don't know you're dyslexic yeah super dyslexic really yes well how did you learn to read and stuff
1: uh i learned to read kind of normal um The dyslexia for me manifests itself in weird... Like, I read very slowly. Mm. Um, I understand all of it, but it it takes me forever, which is super embarrassing sometimes.
0: No. um, Yeah, but but, also you see a letter and it's like, what, uh, backwards? I see the the
1: letter as it is. When Uh I write it, I write a lot of letters backwards. Uh And spelling is a problem for me. And I can get completely... uh, uh, I call it a dyslexic fit, where I'm just completely lost like geographically. So directions can be a big problem. Every now and then, I'll be driving someplace really familiar, and I'll get it in my head Mm -hmm. about where do I turn, and I'll get confused, and I'll have to go home and start over again.
0: Oh, no!
1: (laughs) Not super often, but now and again.
0: Yeah, I had a head injury once that made me do that. I had a concussion from a car wreck, and I could not remember directions or how to get home. Wow. For like a while, yeah.
1: Wow, that's got to be tough if you're not used to it.
0: Nah, not really. But that's... I didn't know that about you. That's kind of... Affect your psyche, doesn't it? How do you think that's affected you? Uh, Well,
1: I, I don't know, to be honest with you. Because you
0: don't know any different, right? Yeah. I
1: mean, I think it it made me withdraw from, you know, academic life pretty quickly. For sure. So that was something that I never was good at or really yeah. a part of.
0: Well, plus academics is so black or white. It's so rigorous. Like, if you don't fall into 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 line, especially our generation of, like, you know... Did they even have lefty scissors when you were? a kid? Yeah, they were lefty scissors. <laughs> right, but yeah. but I mean, everything was rote memorization, and everyone learned the same way. Well,
1: I I, I was kind of lucky. I went to an all, you know for high school anyway. I went to an alternative school. Oh yeah. So that's everything nice. was managed. That's a little where the. Differently.
0: That's where the kids on drugs went, in L.A. That's uh,
1: <laughs> that's not an inaccurate statement. <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't the sales pitch. Yeah. hey come here do drugs
0: come here and do, do lsd okay so back to Leibniz. <laughs> 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 took a slight detour this guy uh he, he's famous for his theory of monads i remember reading that in modern philosophy um
1: what, what year was this guy circa so
0: 1646 to 1716 he's what's known as a modern philosopher
1: okay so post-renaissance
0: R- renaissance yes renaissance. <laughs> yeah so anyway he explains why the world is uh he has a it's called the theodicy which is a philosophy that attempts to explain why evil exists in a world created by an all-good god because there is no god that's well, that's easy to there answer there you go i
1: mean that kind of does undermine the <laughs> Sorry whole thing to simplify
0: thing. the thing damn it Ryan, It's now the episode's over no uh yeah, I mean, look, the 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 premise being, you have to kind of buy into God for this whole system to work, and the modern philosophers, they kind of all did, like it was a given back then. Like you, you just got burned at the stake if you were right. not if you a said God what believer. I just said. Oh, forget it, you you would have been dead. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but this is interesting. Like this is kind of the reason to be optimistic. Um, Leibniz would say that the world is an inherently good place is as good as it can be. And here's the argument. It's just like a short logic problem. Um, so the premise is God created the universe, which you can either accept or reject.
1: Okay. The universe exists.
0: The universe exists for you. Yeah. Okay. So, but God created it. God's creation is logically ordered in the mathematical sense.
1: Mother nature makes things work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) god you're doing the pagan version i'm, I'm just doing i'm that. just translating it
1: into you know
0: normal speak yeah, well
1: into the way a thoughtful person into might consider it
0: new age speak okay uh god is all knowing and all good
1: there is no god okay uh
0: an all good god <laughs> would only create a world with the minimum evil i mean what you got Uh, He's an all-good God. He would only create a world with the minimum amount of evil if he's all-good. So the
1: plague was the minimum.
0: Minimum evil, yep. And the Holocaust and pedophiles, yes. Uh, God could not create a perfect world because only God can be perfect. Therefore, this is the best of all possible worlds. So basically... So this is him.
1: as good as it gets is what he's this saying regardless of <laughs> what's going on this is as good as it gets
0: basically yeah right.
1: you're you're a homeless dude with no arms and no legs in
0: india in yeah india, yeah you
1: know and that's as good <laughs> as it's gonna get for you yeah that's the most pessimistic <laughs> definition of optimism i've ever heard in my life yeah <laughs> this is as good as it can yeah.
0: be you're gonna work in a sweatshop and the building's gonna collapse on you for five cents a day yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it's, again, this is not a perfect thing. It's, it's a logical
1: And what drew thing. you to this particular quote?
0: Oh, it's, it's just a Google search for philosophy and For optimism. optimism. Oh, right so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, philosophy doesn't really address this. This is more of a, a psychology issue, I would say, with the benefit of being optimistic. Well, no. I mean, you can,
1: you can have the philosophy of I'm going to see the good.
0: Right, right, right. But I'm saying, informal like philosophers in general. I've never known. You know, how do you become a formal
1: philosopher? It's it's all this. Registers. It's just a.
0: Well, you gotta be a white guy. You gotta be a white of. guy.
1: You gotta have lived over a hundred years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, well, no, I mean, they exist now. Deepak
1: Chopra, wouldn't you consider him no. a, a philosopher? No.
0: Absolutely not. No.
1: Absolutely not.
0: No, no, because uh, it's not academic. He sells too
1: many books. It's not
0: rig. No, that's self help. I would say that's new agey self help. So it doesn't metaphysics fit philosophy? No, and not even it's not even really metaphysics. If you would, because I would argue that no. this
1: doesn't fit philosophy.
0: Oh, because- this is this is in its purest essence philosophy. Really? Yeah,
1: I think it's yeah. religion.
0: It is, and and then the two were were linked uh, together in the modern period, in this period that Leibniz lived in. They they were they but were not separated This is an academic
1: yet. analysis yes. of what philosophy is.
0: This is the academic version of philosophy, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, because there's certainly yeah. an argument to be made that you know, here I sit brokenhearted, I came to shit, and I only farted. I love that. <laughs> his, I love that one. Is philosophy. <laughs>
0: Well, we do that kind of stuff on this show too don't get me wrong uh, i understand the, the majority of our philosophy i know is i know where i am <laughs> oh, come on come on now but i like to start with the smart stuff and then d- awesome. dilute it and dumb it down until it makes no sense so uh so that's the logical part that we 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 couldn't live god if you believe in god god would do you not believe in god you know i um I go through phases. I go through I, growing up I was Catholic mm-hmm. and it was forced on me and I loved it. I you loved, loved it? Jesus. Oh really? my gosh. Yeah, because it was order and I had a lot of chaos at home. And going to church
1: Just told you the way things were. Yes, and it and was answered safe. questions.
0: And God watched The me. Catholic
1: church was safe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. For me it was. As a child. Absolutely. And God watched over me and made sure that my life was okay and took care of me and gave me a lot of comfort. And then the older I get, the amount of senseless evil I see in the world, it gets harder and harder to understand. If he is a loving, benevolent, caring God, why? Why so much horrors? Why, why the great inequity on earth? Well, it's, all, it's totally unjustifiable.
1: Yeah. It's, it's totally unjustifiable. If you have the power, where's the fucking bread?
0: Right. So, right.
1: So it, it, it's, it's, it's its own contradiction.
0: No, but then some people would say, oh, but that's human auspices that are ruining the earth. Like
1: that's nonsense. Human Isn't God. Doesn't God have a plan for all of us? Isn't that the story?
0: Supposedly. Yeah.
1: I mean, I reject it so completely that I don't have time Look to at pay you. attention to it. Yeah. I'm just being honest One of us is you. going to hell. Well, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. if I don't believe
1: in it, can okay. it exist?
0: Well, here we go. <laughs> but were you, were you raised with um, any kind of religion or?
1: No. I mean, I was Um, raised, I'm Jewish, I'm of Jewish descent. Wow,
0: okay, I didn't even know that. We got to (laughs) stop. I'm sorry, you have to go. (laughs) Right? It says Jewish, really? I was
1: raised of Jewish descent, but, you know, I wasn't interested in it. My sister got interested in it and went to Jewish schools. A a chibbutz? No, not a chibbutz, but, (laughs) you know, I don't know what the hell it was. It was just a school with a lot of Jews, I guess, where they taught. (laughs) Like Jewish Sunday school kind of thing.
0: Yeah, because
1: she wanted to know. Because she wanted to be connected to it.
0: Yeah. I saw the people
1: with the big, you know, with the ridiculous hats and the curls. And
0: I like the Jews. Can I tell you? I always felt Jewish deep down inside. I've always felt well, I was culturally. A Jew. It's a very warm culture. Yeah.
1: So, so you know, I don't, I don't reject the cultureness of it, but the actual religion and the dogma. It's tough. It's yeah.
0: absurd. It's tough, and I, I feel the same way about the Catholic Church. I don't. Obviously, I'm not anti-gay. I'm not anti-abortion. I think it's ridiculous that women can't be priests, and you know, there's a lot of antiquated crap that happens in the church. But I think. Well,
1: and it's it's and there's a huge price paid for that.
0: Of course, it fucks up the world. You know how many kids have been molested by priests? I don't know and exactly. Sheltered. Do but you want to? You want to know? <laughs> but I think. <laughs> Where's what, that on your
1: Google search?
0: Let me let me search uh, I think what what religion provides. But, but it's not provides,
1: even it's not even the fact that that happened. That is right. so incredibly outrageous. It's the fact that as uh, an organization of human yes. beings, they took the offenders and they just moved them to new places. Concealed it, yes. Yeah.
0: So they can continue it, to abuse It was more a racket. Yeah. It
1: was a conspiracy.
0: Listen, it's no... Per- but here's what I like about religion and meditation is that... Well, those are
1: totally different things.
0: Well, no. I think they both serve the function of relief from your emotions. Relief from the burden of the uh, the heavy every day it's relief meditation it gives you relief praying to god it's uh, to me it's very similar brain you know you're giving it up to something well i bigger i would
1: argue that the point of meditation is to you know is to be the watcher and see what's actually going on well that
0: too too yeah
1: yeah and and prayer is external and you're looking for somebody else to magically solve your problems
0: oh that's interesting well that's interesting so med- meditation
1: to me is acceptance, and prayer is to a degree denial.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, let's look at it. So prayer, so, but sometimes God will give you God metaphorically, when you say, "God help me, give me the strength to do this." Whatever you're opening yourself up to receiving the solution. That's what. That's how I pray. I go. Okay. You know, when stuff's too heavy, I go. All right. I can't. I, you know, my dad's pissing me off. I need a miracle. I need, and and I need to change my perception. No, 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 but here's a miracle in my mind. It's not in the external. Okay. It's in me. It's my shift in my thinking. I go, God, teach me, show me how to think about this right. Or whatever power, mother, father, spirit. It's just you, it's me. But I'm downloading what I know is inside of me already. It's like it's like what meditation does, where you unlock what's already in existence, but you can't see it because you're so blinded by your correct. And the point emotion. of meditation is to
1: is to blind the noise, is to yes. is to quiet the noise, yeah. so that you can you can see what's oh, happening, yes. and and you know it's an act of realism.
0: Uh, yes, but so, you're right. I do think that some people go. God, you know, I have this bill. It's a thousand dollars. God, send me a thousand dollars, and that doesn't often
1: right. work. Well, it's you know it's the absurdity of the athlete pointing to Jesus. You know, it's just oh, it's yeah. so ridiculous, yeah. and it's the outrageousness of public people. You know, like, like the fact that Obama feels like he needs to say "God bless America" well, after every speech, yeah, which is so incredibly stupid. offensive. That's it's, a, incredibly
0: it's America. Offensive. Yeah. Well, to the atheists. Well, to the rest of the world,
1: because it's kind of like God bless America and really fuck the rest of you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> only America. Like we're not, only. Already, we're not already
1: the most blessed. We haven't right. already right. stolen the most stuff from the rest of the world to make ourselves right. number one.
0: Right, right. We need more shit. We need more Just shit. Just us, not need, everyone else. That's
1: right. That's fuck the right.
0: East. So, okay, so back to optimism. Um, I think I'd always assumed in my life that optimists were dumb people. Like, when I am when I was very young. Hard to argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> they come across as idiots. Right.
1: Yeah, because they're just blindly wanting to believe that things are this way because it right. makes them feel better, and they're not looking at facts.
0: But is there something, I mean, remember, okay, well, we, you said you never saw it, but there used to be, back in L.A., when there was, like, 13 channels of television. Mm-hmm they would air this terrible movie from the 60s called Pollyanna. Right. And it was Haley Mills who was like the big star of the 60s. And I, let me play a clip of this movie. And the the purpose of Pollyanna, it was based on a book from like 1913. And Pollyanna... It's
1: good year for books,
0: 1913. Good year, huge year, yeah. It's, I love it. It's a good vernacular. But uh, she she's orphaned. She's sent to live with her shitty, shitty aunt who's just mean to her. Okay. And this whole this whole town she lives in there's full of just shitty people. Okay. And she comes in with her positive attitude and turns the town around and everyone loves her and then because she can see the the bright spot in everything.
1: Right. Pollyanna. Obviously. Pollyanna.
0: But then she gets hit by a car. Does she really? Yeah, and she gets crippled and she can't use her legs. But what does she do? She sees the bright side. <laughs> She's like, yeah, but it's awesome because I once had legs. Yay! And you're like, that's not a good story to tell children. And also, why isn't that a
1: good story to tell children? It sounds like wonderful. uh, You should
0: acknowledge the truth of it, which is like, I fucking lost my legs. Right. Pissed off. Sucks. Right. Life sucks. Right. Um,
1: Better to be born without legs than to lose them halfway. I kind of, that's kind of
0: my thinking too. (laughs) 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 Yeah, like, God, why did you give me legs just to take them away? Prick. Okay. But also, I don't... As opposed to
1: God, why was I born without legs?
0: Yeah, you know. But also, I don't like that this movie encourages children to be nice to shitty people. Because there are some people that are just always going to be... Here, listen. Just listen to this clip. This is her shitty, shitty aunt, and she's um, trying to cheer her up. Her aunt's like a bedridden, older-ish woman. She's maybe like in her 50s and pollyanna brings in some some rags and here we go so this is the clip some rags you'll see it's a really exciting plot here it goes well where have you been you naughty girl naughty girl i'm sorry i've been helping for the bazaar hello mr Mugg. how do you do what have you got there don't bring those dirty rags and you'll get them off my bed negative oh they aren't dirty rags they're patchwork squares mrs golferson made them I thought perhaps you'd like to stitch them together to make a patchwork quilt for the bazaar. What an impertinent child. Listen, you just take them right out of here. I'm not gonna do anything of the sort. But everyone's helping. Mr. Neely, the Julians, and even old Mrs. Thurm. Oh, she wants me to work in my condition. Don't bother Mrs. Snow, girl. She's a very sick woman. Negative, negative, Nancy's. Well. I thought it might give you something to do instead of just lying around. Oh. I mean, the bazaar's for an okay, awful I Okay, I can't post. take much more. Shut the fuck up, Shut kid. Shut the fuck up, kid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's more annoying than a kid with a British accent. No uh, wonder.
0: Yeah, why is she talking British and everyone else is normal English? Yeah, it doesn't, I don't know. Well, and also it's presumptuous. She's like, I bought you these rags so that you could do some shit with them. Like, you should sew and you should want to help the f- the festival. Yeah.
1: If my niece bought me probably some things that they sew this stuff, I'd fucking lose my mind.
0: I'd be like, get out of here, kid. Yeah, and she's so mean, the, the lady. But any, anyway. Well, you, it you know. boils
1: down to it's really a critique of the Golden Rule, right? Oh. And the Golden Rule is this nonsense that says treat people the way that you would want to be treated. And yes. it's a nice little jingle. Right. <laughs> but, you know, if I'm in an alley with Dick Cheney, I'm not going to oh. treat him the way I want to be treated. I'm going to treat him the way he deserves to be treated. Which is? Which is like a piece of shit. Wow.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay.
1: Dick Cheney. I really hate
0: that guy. Well,
1: yeah. He represents all things evil. Okay.
0: Well, I think Pollyanna's aunt here reminds me a lot of the relationship I had with my mother. Oh, that's uh, why you are
1: drawn to that.
0: Oh, when I was a little girl and I saw this movie, I, I thought, yeah, maybe if I'm just nicer to my mom, she'll be nice. Wow. Yeah. And of course, that doesn't work with the mentally ill. But y- yeah, it's a bad <laughs> lesson for kids because it's like, hey, your parents are drunk or a narcissist, or borderline, or schizo. Yeah, it's on nice. you
1: to fix your right. relationship with your parent.
0: <laughs> right. It's up to
1: you because right. your parent is busy. <laughs> <laughs> so you make them figure it out.
0: Yeah, you bend and contort your personality to cater right. to you the shitty people fix in your that life.
1: Relationship, <laughs> fix it, you piece of shit. You
0: keep doing. You just stick stick with it, Pollyanna. Yeah,
1: she wanted alcohol, not rags. <laughs>
0: Hey, <laughs> yeah, Give your aunt some booze. Little bitch. You dumb slut. So, uh, so that was my problem with Pollyanna. But I, obviously I, I, there, cause some people are assholes and they can't be changed. That's kind of what my problem with Pollyanna was like, maybe your aunt's just a, a cunt and she's yeah. never going to, don't, don't treat her the and way you would want.
1: And it's super tough because sometimes those people, um, you know, we had a particularly difficult employee at the club and, mm-hmm. uh, who was stealing from us, and we oh, kind of, no. we kind of suspected it, but yeah. we kind of let it be because there wasn't any proof. And um, and I always thought that uh, I felt like I had a connection with him, and that that personal relationship would overcome his need to steal shit.
0: Oh, that you could change him. If you were just well, nice enough, if you a
1: little bit, a little connected bit, to him enough. Right. Or if I made him feel a big enough part of what was going on here. And, of course, none of that was true. Yeah. Yeah. But so I, I relate to the feeling that maybe there's a way that I can fix that. Right. And, of course, there isn't.
0: Through optimism, through that love. Is op-
1: that is an optimistic point of view. It, it is. It's and it's a, a hopeful point of view. And I accepted the consequences. Like, I understood that, you know, while... We would try to work on that. We also needed to put together some better systems so it's harder to steal from yeah. us. You know what I mean? So it was like a two-pronged kind of thing, make it impossible to be stolen from, and some then cameras. also try to, you know, work with this person and get more of a buy-in. Yeah.
0: How how upsetting is that to have someone steal from your business? I would want to cut his hand off and show the rest of the employees. Well,
1: uh, it's, you know, you feel super violated. Yeah. Um, but... I also know, you know, I've been around long enough, and I've been in business a long time in a lot of different businesses. So, I'm. It's easy for me. It's easy now, you know. You first, you have that initial emotional hit where it's personal, Mm. and then hopefully through some reflection, Mm -hmm. I recognize that it's not about me. That you know, my failure was I was too trusting. So I do have some responsibility in allowing uh-huh. a system to exist where things were stolen. So, you know, you take responsibility for that. You fix that system. Um, and then I chalk it up to, okay, well, that's who that person is. and I can't change that. And yeah. kind of cost of doing business.
0: Yeah, it's the cost. You got to pay the cost to be the boss. As some rapper said. That's, is that Jay-Z? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh it's hard not to take that stuff personally, but I'm sorry that happened to you.
1: Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah, but you know, given the number of people that that we've employed and the amount of time that we've been a vet, you know what I mean? It's such a small drop in the
0: bucket. Yeah. Well, you know, and there's always some rotten apples and uh, the point being that you know, you can be optimistic when dealing with rotten apples, but the optimism doesn't come in changing a person. It comes in uh, improving security measures, <laughs> and not not letting it taint and cloud. Maybe your it's not letting it taint and other cloud. people. Yeah, it's not In the it's, future.
1: It's like yeah, it's like making that choice that I'm not going to let this turn me into you know the kind of employer that you know, you know piss tests people and shakes them down and you know any of that kind of crap. Like I'm not going over the top
0: because we've all worked for those people who have been burned too many times and now they'll take it out on the new person and everybody and you're like wait why? I didn't I didn't steal what well, right like, um,
1: we don't need to turn our comedy club into Fort Knox because we're right. worried a ticket guy is going to take $4. Right. You know I mean? It's just stupid. Or,
0: or TSA. Like, oh, fuck. Now I can't even bring a bottle of water. You can see it's water. I have to take off my shoes. It's demeaning. Well, the shoes is the most oh ridiculous, God.
1: demeaning, most
0: transparent,
1: <laughs> you know, state-keeping-people-afraid thing in our mm-hmm. society. It's so... Stunningly unnecessary.
0: Mm-hmm. Well my favorite too as a pregnant lady is like I uh, told a, T- a female TSA agent I go, I'm not gonna go through that x-ray machine. Uh, the the metal detectors, yeah, but I that, that x-ray thing where yeah. they can see your organs yeah. and your breasts and your you know your junk yeah, yeah. and she goes, ma'am they they're totally safe." It's just like going through a metal. D- and I go, have there been tests done on fetuses?
1: Do you have a copy of the research I can, can examine? May I see
0: this? Because in 10 years, they're going to go, whoops. Uh, you know, if you're pregnant, you went through our machines Right, I and mean, there was a point in time where
1: they told pregnant women to smoke because it right. would calm their nerves. And
0: lower birth
1: rates. <laughs> and lower birth rates, right? It would be easier. Right. Lower birth rates. We're going to want you to really give, give birth to a pea.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I, I don't trust them. I, anyway. How so, can you?
1: That person hasn't been educated into what's no. really going on. They just, just tell them it's okay.
0: Tell, tell them it's okay. Yeah. Calm them down. Yeah. Uh, but what's interesting with uh, pessimism, I grew up with a very pessimistic family. I think it was cultural. Um, uh, you know, both my parents escaped from a war-torn country. There wasn't a lot of positive stuff happening in their lives. And I think what really bummed me out about growing up around pessimists um, is that they tend like life just changes. Life is a series of there's good stuff, and then some bad stuff happens. And guess what? Neither of them are permanent. And you kind of have to keep that in mind while you're going through some bad stuff. And I think that pessimists tend to see things as permanent, like
1: I think that's a oh, great this will never change. That's a great take, yeah, I think that's a great take. And I think that 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 rolls back to kind of what you were talking about in terms of emotions Mm. and you know here's the thing about emotions is emotions are temporary yeah they're a response yeah and sometimes they're you know that temporariness is going to be you know 60 years and sometimes it's 10 minutes right but you can't what I've learned through therapy is is that you can't A. you can't pick and choose your feelings Mm -mm. you can only acknowledge them and you kind of have to feel them or they won't go away That's the worst part of them. So sometimes you just have to sell. You know, you have to just. You know, like I love when people say, "Oh, I got no regrets." You're totally (laughs) full of shit. You know, either you've never done anything, or you're just more likely you're just in complete denial. Of course, you have regrets. Everyone does. Everyone has regrets. It's ridiculous. Oh. Oh. You know, And, and I think I think when you when you don't you don't recognize i really regret not doing that or doing that or whatever it is if you don't acknowledge that then you're kind of trapping yourself to repeat your history
0: yeah and i think the the point of being optimistic though is to go you don't want to flog yourself over your past mistakes Correct. like you you know as human beings we're the only beings who we i at least i do i'll think of the thing i regret or the thing i did and then i will relive the flogging like yes. oh why did you do and instead of yes there's no other animal and there's those that little, does
1: that right and there's those little things it might not even be a big thing when you were rude to somebody or right. thoughtless yes. or something and every now and then you'll get the, that trigger which oh. will remind you of it and it's this just this huge swelling of negative emotions do you know what i'm talking yeah, yeah. about of course it just it just snaps like that of course that.
0: it's yes. like a wormhole to the first transgression <sighs> yeah. and now you're reliving the transgression over and over instead of going, all right, here's your opportunity to correct. Right. Here's that was, your opportunity. Or
1: just going, you know, that was
0: 20, 20- Five years ago you know what i'm saying (laughs) and i
1: i i I, I can forgive myself at this point
0: oh i still wince at crap i did when i was like a teenager oh so do i i made
1: (laughs) oh, oh i did so much stupid shit
0: i know but the point is like we said too yeah you you can't help but remember it but then stop the flogging Right. Stop the, uh, the verbal, the beating, the berating, because right. that doesn't help you. It's, right, it but it is help. hard to
1: escape. And it's funny, because for me, most of those things are, I think, that where I come back and I feel like shit are when I've let people down.
0: Yeah.
1: Or I feel like I let people down, you know. Um, uh, when I first started doing comedy, there was uh, uh, a woman working in my office at that point, and her husband was a comic, Mike Sacconi. Mm-hmm. It was a great comic. And uh, she said, "Oh, you can go see him, da da da." And he got me into Igby's one night. It was a million mm. years ago, and I watched him, and he was just great, and you know, he was the first comic that was ever nice to me. And over the course of the next year, I've never told anyone this. Uh, uh, he did a bit, and a bit that I did became very similar mm-hmm. to the bit that he did. And one day, I realized that it had kind of morphed into his bit mm-hmm. in a way Which that Which
0: can was, happen unconsciously. Listen,
1: in a way that was just not cool. Mm. It was just not cool. And so I stopped doing the bit as soon as I realized it. And I was mortified. And so years later, uh, I'm at the Las Vegas Comedy Festival. And he's there.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, I couldn't leave the hotel room. Oh I, I couldn't I just I felt so bad that somebody had been so nice to me and it was all nobody gave a shit I was nobody you know right, what I mean right. it was a bit I did for like six months and it was you know it was just I just I just felt so guilty and so bad and so when we opened the club about the first six months or so Mike came in mm. and I was just like I just sat down and I said hey I just got to tell you this mm-hmm. this is what happened and I remembered the bit and I told him the bit the way I was doing it uh and he said, uh, yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <All> <laughs> he said, that's,
1: that's, you know, listen, that kind of thing happens to everybody. And, but it was, felt so good to just, you know, and maybe that's where the value of religion is, is, mm-hmm. is confessing it, is getting it out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's maybe the, the, the I was just in uh, Paris, and I wanted to go to Notre Dame, and I am totally drawn towards the confessional.
0: Mm, Interesting. As a Jew, especially. Well, it's just... You guys aren't that... No, but just the idea, it's very therapeutic.
1: It's the idea of just getting all that shit off your chest. Oh,
0: yeah. That's just super powerful. Wow. And you carried that with you for so many years, huh? Yeah,
1: and I couldn't unburden it until I actually talked to him. And I knew I had to do that. Mm -hmm. And I knew that when we opened the club, at some point, he would show up. (laughs) Because that's what happens when you open a comedy club, all the comics show up eventually. Oh, no. So it was super nice, and his wife, who who you know I was friends with, uh, actually died of cancer. Mm. So you know it was just all this emotional shit for me, wow. for him. He was just you know I told him I remember I, I remembered a story about his wife, and so we talked about that, and he was so grateful to have just shared that memory,
0: mm. you know. And
1: he was so human, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you said something to him, Dave. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, yeah, that's weird because we do carry around these tiny little. They're little in the grand scheme of things, but they grow into big things, because the shame of it. There's a right. The shame and as a comic, the yeah. idea that
1: you would have stolen a bit is just oh. it's
0: very. It's it's the cardinal sin. It's the biggest sin in our business. Yeah,
1: it makes you just a huge throbbing dick. I know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it just does for sure. It's yeah. it's
0: the one sin in our and our, well you know, the biggie, the yeah. biggie. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I think the uh, what you're saying, the the relief of of uh, confession is because it unburdens the shame. And once you share your shame with somebody, it can't exist anymore. That's what Dr. Brene Brown says. Oh, oh that's it was super soul Sunday. Uh, it's the, it's the unburdening. Cause the shame is what eats you. It's the, right. When you don't, and, but you'll notice if you tell somebody like, Oh my God, I've so, did this. Right. And then they go, Oh, that's not such a big deal. Right. And it then, never is. It never yeah. is.
1: Although super fun. If they just kind of say, wow, you're a total dick.
0: Right. Wow. shitty. You should go
1: turn yourself in. You're a horrible person. Those were children. Get out of my house. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I so I think um, I had this epiphany about optimism like a year ago. And it's <laughs> I think that it's, it's not about being a Pollyanna. It's not about being like we're worried about like being so oblivious to reality that right. you disregard it. But I think it is going, okay, so this is what we're at. This is what's happening. I can either stay in the mire of it mm-hmm. or I can process this. Right. I can create a plan. I can get a plan. I can get
1: out. Insert just enough denial so that my plan is
0: believable. <laughs> sure. and But I think that's what optimism really, in my mind, right. is. Is an evaluation, every moment, staying present, and then going, all right, so now what? Now what are we going to do to move forward? Right. And it's it is about being like, all right, this too will pass. This is temporary. This is just something that's happening now. I'll feel the feelings that come with it. And then, hey-
1: you know, we'll see where I am new, tomorrow. D- and
0: next week's going to be fine. Most likely next month will be, it'll be a different, I mean, think of the problems you had like a year ago. Are they even problems <laughs> you still carry today? You know what I'm saying? Like the, they shift, everything kind of shifts and moves and it's like staying with
1: that. Well, they say that one of the great treatments for depression is motion. Yeah. Just move, move your body, do something, you know, yeah. it's the lumpness that kind of eats at you. Yeah.
0: The inertia. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. So I would say that I'm a quiet optimist. Like, I'm not one of those people that's like, it's going to be great. Because sometimes it isn't great. Sometimes no, but it's not. you, you, uh,
1: having known you for many years, um, yeah, I find you to be really thoroughly upbeat. Even, oh, even, even I remember last year when we were working at, at San Jose and, 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 you know, you were just, you were kind of at the end of a long road grind yeah. and, you know, you were beaten up by it. Yeah. You know, you were just done. <laughs> um, yeah. But, it's the worst. Yeah, but you also had a sense that, you know, you were uh, striving towards better things. And I think that's where yeah. optimism comes from is, is an mm, understanding of this. It's like you said, I mean, it really is about time. And it's about an understanding of that it's going to change. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and also having an overarching meaning and purpose to your life. Oh, shit. What? <laughs> is, there, is there none for you? I don't know what is that is. Is that another episode we need to do? I don't know exactly what
1: that is. Your purpose? Yeah. Really? Yeah.
0: Well, is you a do constant? a lot.
1: I do a lot.
0: You do. I mean, there's no purpose in your comedy classes or in your club or well, your relationship. I guess there's a
1: purpose. I just don't know how to label it, I guess. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I guess I don't. Don't think that way.
0: Well, you got to go to the beach, man. Figure I do that gotta, shit out. Exactly. That's
1: where <laughs> I'm going right after this.
0: Yeah. Go fucking meditate on that. Get yeah. deep on it, bro.
1: Well, it is amazing how, you know, because the reality of the club is that it's ever encompassing, you know, it's just a huge project. And so, you know, and I knew that when we went into this thing, I, I honestly believed that within six months to a year, we would either be out of business or I would have figured out a way so that it would just be a part-time gig. Wow. I really believed that. Um, uh, and I still believe that, that within six months <laughs> to a year, we'll be out of business or I'll figure out a way to make it a part-time gig. Maybe that's blind optimism. I don't know, but,
0: but that's a purpose. It is a purpose. That is an overarching goal. I think that's you need something to work towards. Otherwise, you're just floundering in life.
1: Yes, exactly. Okay. And I think you're, you're absolutely correct. And when I don't know what I'm working towards, or I don't feel like I know how to create the space to work towards those things, mm. you know, because we started off doing comedy together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the umpteen thousands of people listening to this know who you are. Mm-hmm. But nobody knows who I am. Mm-hmm. And it's because I've never, uh, I just never put it out there. Mm. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, it's also where you put your focus, like you have a goal, and then you go, I'm going to fo- spend my energy. Because right. really, life is energy. It's, it's the amount of time you have to devote energy. And being pregnant really teaches you about energy and conserving energy. Because <laughs> I don't have as much as I did before I was pregnant. My body right. is big. It is feeding another life. And right. if, when I am done, I am done. I need to lay down and nap, guys.
1: And, and were you, you expecting
0: know? this? To be, yeah, to be like this, yeah. yeah. I knew that I would have to monitor my my physical being way more than I did before. But it's an interesting lesson in the fine the fine, finiteness finitude.
1: The finitude I <laughs> of love that. of
0: your resources of your right. energies. Right. Where am I going to devote? And had you devoted? But who knows? You devoted your energy. You took a, you took a, a detour into running a comedy club, and that takes a lot of energy.
1: Right, right. No, listen, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not passing judgment on it as good or bad I'm just saying that that's, that's just a reality yeah. and as somebody that you know at this point in my life would like to be more uh, comedy focused in terms of actually doing comedy mm-hmm. um, you know we talked about regrets I don't regret doing the club but I just have uh, it's given me time you know and what I wanted was not to have to travel mm-hmm. and you know I grew up in the restaurant business so it's always been a vision of mine to, to you know open a comedy club so it was kind of a big ass bucket list thing and uh and i just wanted a place where it was easy for me to perform
0: and there you go but you got it yeah i did
1: i did got it. yeah and it's it's sometimes it's hard for me because i don't want to be the dick that owns the club that puts him on stage self on stage every
0: night. now listen there's a lot worse transgressions than no, no doubt about it than and than i am really guy.
1: and i am really a comic i'm not a guy that owns a club that does comedy once in a while i've been doing this a long time and you know i i know i know what i'm doing yeah um uh, but yeah, so I don't know.
0: Well, that's interesting. You say you don't have a, an overarching pur- and the, and the purpose. And the, I think the good side to that is to be kind of zen about it and not expect outcomes. You yes. know, it's yes. kind of like, is it better? It was because part the other side of optimism is... You can get really bummed out when things don't go your way
1: right because you you are walking around with this bullshit idea that everything's going to go perfect, so I you mean, don't have to handle it when it's not. I get
0: crippled and I love being crippled right yeah, yeah, so is it better to expect nothing at all
1: uh well I, you know I don't think it's human to expect nothing at all yeah, but it was interesting i was I was uh, you know, with the 99% Funnies, we're trying to do more kind of guerrilla comedy things. And we were uh, dancing with the idea of going up to Seattle. And uh, there was a, a protest movement of people in kayaks blocking an oil rig.
0: Mm.
1: So I just wanted to go up there. And I had a buddy who was sailing up there that had a boat. And I just wanted to do a comedy show on the boat for the kayak activists. <laughs> That's, That's cool. what they called them. Because to me, that would just be super fun. And uh, uh,
0: that would be my nightmare as a comic. Oh, it bad be... sound, bad location. Oh my god! Yeah, no, I'm I not saying that it.
1: it's not the right way to okay. do comedy, okay. but it's more about okay. you know
0: activism, helping other people. Gotcha. Yeah, a little bit, and then well,
1: yeah. you don't do that. I don't help other people.
0: <laughs> He's getting <gonna> go <laughs> And then
1: we probably do a show, at the, <laughs> you know, in a club that night. Anyways, we were planning on this thing, and and uh, someone asked me, well, what you know, what do you you know, what are you going to get out of it? And just doing it. Right. Like, I wasn't thinking about an outcome. Results. Yeah, I was thinking what a fun thing to be able to pull off and, you know, have a story.
0: Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, and in some ways, um, if you start to dwell on the expectation of receiving, it takes the fun out of doing stuff. Like, this podcast, when I started, I was like, no one's going to listen to this. Right. I love philosophy. I love talking about this kind of crap. Nobody loves it. And that's just not the truth. <laughs> like it ended up being this wonderful thing and I get emails every day and it was it's is one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. But if I have if I go into it going, "Well, what's in it for me?" Right. "What am I going to make a million dollars doing right. this?" You'll never do anything.
1: Right. No, the what's in it for me stuff is 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 I mean, it's somewhat necessary, but it can be and maybe if I have one regret is that I've gone into a lot of things in my life without enough of a, well, what's in it for me.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: And and so I end up without much.
0: <laughs> that's what happens, Dave. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just being honest. Sure.
1: So, but yes, if that's the overarching goal, then all you're going to ever get is whatever you think, you know what I mean? You, you, well, you limit what you're going to
0: receive. Right. And also I, I do, I'm a big believer in like, um, you get what you think you deserve, and I've learned it by watching comedians with, excuse me, with minimal talent and maximum ego. <laughs> yes, uh, so we've seen it in our business—the sure. the people that really rise very, very quickly—and you're like, "How the hell did they? How did that?" And you go, "Well, because they felt entitled to it." And and there's some, there's there's that—that's one part of the equation of the bullshit that is show business. Listen, there's
1: lots of things that make somebody successful,
0: for sure, for sure, and it's hard to even. Who knows?
1: It's, it's, yeah, it's unquantifiable, and that's and the
0: thing you can't even dwell on it. Here, here's you can't a great, dwell on
1: here's it it. a great optimistic thing that I that yeah. I say. So maybe I am an optimist. Is uh, I like to say uh, success is actually really easy. Here's how you be successful. It's so simple. Everybody, get a pen. <laughs> write this down. Uh, change your definition of success. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right expect less shit to happen (laughs) well (laughs) it's just just you
1: know i mean if if i judge my success as a comedian not on am i getting booked at big clubs around the country which is not realistic because i haven't pursued that right so i'm not going to beat myself up for not having that and if i just try to value or judge my success as a comic based on you know hey did that audience right there enjoy what i had to say did i speak did i speak from my heart do I give a shit about what I talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, then, then it's much uh, easier for me to be successful. Yeah. To feel successful. I
0: got to tell you too, after uh, my mother just died about, what is it now? Three weeks ago. And you know, I'm, I'm really not ready to talk about on the show yet. I will in time, but I think one thing, the whole being so close to death has taught me now is like, you know, when you're on your deathbed, Am I going to go, well, I'm really glad I, I took those weeks in Toledo or in Dubuque. I'm really excited about all that work stuff I did, you know? Or am I going to go, it was so great to spend time with my family, with my dogs, with my husband, with Dave Reinitz, with yeah. the beach, with the things I loved. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you can't, uh, that stuff kind of, it matters, but not really. Cause who gives a shit when you're dead? You know what I mean? <laughs> who gives a like... shit When
1: you're dead. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's, you know, it's interesting because my mom's,
1: uh, 76 and she's having some health issues and, yeah. um, we just, uh, got to spend some time with her in Venice, Italy. She goes every year. Uh, it, it's been her thing and, you know, uh, uh, it's the one thing she does for herself every year. And, uh, And she's one of these people that was blessed with purpose. Mm. She knew from the time she was a little girl that she wanted to be a painter, and she spent her whole life painting. Right, and that's taking some different twists.
0: And terms. I envy people like that. That yes. are just they come to Earth and they're like, "I'm a singer." Like, yes, it is yeah.
1: such a gift to I just know. have that. This is what I want to do. You know, and I love comedy. And yeah. at this point, it's I'll do it for the rest of my life. I have no doubt about it. You know, all things comedy: teaching comedy, writing comedy, performing comedy. You know, yeah. all that stuff. I love it. Um, but I didn't know nothing about no comedy until I was thirty. Right. Like I didn't pick up a microphone.
0: Right. It took a while for you to find the calling. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I know. I like I was watching Justin Timberlake, (laughs) like his Oprah, whatever special, and he's like, I was born dancing. I was came out, I was three years old singing. And you're like, How the hell how do you know? Your soul or whatever is just It's just a lucky thing. Yeah, it's very rare. And I think the mythology of that is, is so um um what's the word discouraging for average people where you're like oh but Justin Timberlake knew when he was three and right, you know but Phyllis Dillard didn't start comedy until she was 35 Roseanne Barr didn't start until she was 28 and Roseanne had three kids. Phyllis had five. <laughs> wow. So if you're thinking like, I can't start something late, you absolutely can. And you look at Rodney. Know. Rodney Dangerfield didn't make it until his second time around. What was he, like in his 50s He was in or his 50s, yeah. Yeah, he sold roofing tiles or something. He
1: sold everything. Yeah. Yeah, historical.
0: So there's, just because you find it later doesn't I, mean
1: do it's Do you hard. remember Jack Rothman? No. From comedy class? Jack Rothman no. was a... a I found out later was a, a very uh, well-known socialist professor at UCLA. I think he was a professor of philosophy. As a really? Of fact. Oh, yes. cool. Maybe political science. Not sure. But he was in the comedy classes around about the time we were taking them, and uh, he was ancient. <laughs> he was ancient. He used to do this joke about I'm seventy five years old, uh, and I'm just starting off in my comedy career. <laughs> and George Burns did comedy until he was a hundred. Yeah. So I'm looking out at a long career. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was just such a warm, fun joke. And that's right. really, that. that's an optimist.
0: Yeah. And how much better to bring, you know, our, our, I was just thinking about this yesterday. I got this great email from a listener. I'll read it um, on a different episode, but she was talking about having a quarter life crisis and, uh, at 25. Well, that, yeah, that's a new thing now. It's like at 25, five. They're called And. Rightly so, because at 25, the pressure on you, like, be an adult. Figure it out. What are you going to do? Who are you going to marry? Are you going to buy a house?
1: You, what were you doing at twenty?
0: Chaos. I was in law school, and I dropped out after two weeks. I went to grad school for philosophy, dropped out after a semester. <laughs> I got fired from 22 jobs in four years. Like, fucking chaos. And all because I was trying to find my way into comedy. I knew I wanted to be a stand-up, but I didn't have the balls to to go for it because it takes it takes you know strength yeah I, yes i want this right this irrational dream of being a comedian it's right. totally rational but um well the, the
1: level of acceptance it takes
0: oh it's it, it's so many layers to get to where I, yeah it's but the point being i think what made me think is that our, our society especially americans we fetishize youth culture yes oh so much that it puts I think it puts pressure on younger people like I should be doing everything like why aren't I Justin Bieber why why aren't I uh, maybe Ariana Grande or whatever it's like but then there's so much value in being older and wiser and well, the older
1: you get the more truth you see in the term you know youth is wasted on the young right because they don't know
0: well they're so beautiful you're so beautiful and perfect fit your specimen but you're it's so chaotic it's the worst time crazy yeah it's horrible for the most part i would never go back to being (laughs) 25. if
1: i knew then what i know
0: now (laughs) I i
1: remember i was talking with uh an uh an older comic uh i'm uh 49 and he's i think 61 or 62 And he was, I can't remember what the topic was. He was talking about something. And I said, oh, I know exactly what you mean. And he looked at me and he said, "Uh, how old are you? (laughs) And I said, "Uh, how old I was? And he said, yeah, you don't. (laughs) You don't know what I mean. Mm. And I realized in that moment that uh, he was correct. (laughs) That he had a perspective that I couldn't possibly understand. Right? But if I said that to somebody in their 20s, they would just yeah. say "fuck you." I know Zach. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They, they just, I uh, just think m- almost nobody has the self awareness in their 20s to understand how much they don't understand. <laughs>
0: <sighs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah. But I, I think what bums me out in our culture is that. Um, m- it is like this obsessive thing with young and staying young, mm-hmm. and you mustn't age, and you have to buy the skin cream to keep your face looking this way, and the Botox yeah. in the way, <laughs> and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. is there no merit in being older, wiser, wrinklier, fatter? Uh, I don't know when that. Ha- why is that inherently bad? <laughs> <laughs> well, well it's just who says that that's
1: not well because we live in a sales-based culture right Right, oh, right. and what is, what is the number one sales tool is sex so the older you get fear. you know in theory the less sexual you are and so the less value you have
0: that's but that's only in america if you look at the french of yeah that's where we are french women they have sex older people have do you have some numbers <laughs> <laughs> Uh Yeah, I mean, I feel like Europeans don't necessarily do that as much. I found that with mom culture, like there's this weird thing in American culture where if you're a mom, it's like asexual. I got to strip it down. I got to start wearing culottes and sandals and socks and right. I got to cut my hair super short and I got to look like Kate from John and Kate Plus Eight. I've got to be totally baby centered and everything's like, like this total self-giving can't have a personality can't have interest outside of it. Ch- and it's really like i feel the pressure from other ladies already wow like have you enrolled him in kindergarten yet and you're like no he's not even out <laughs>
1: yeah i'm like, gonna I'm let six him out of the oven. Yeah, yeah
0: like can we hold on a minute there and yeah like you can't be a woman a sexual or just a person and a mom in american culture it seems I'm going to work on that. I'm not going to succumb to it, damn it.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the culture is something that we choose to participate in or not. Yes.
0: I agree. I you choose. Know, we're surrounded
1: by it. Yeah. You know? And, and, you know, it's hard to avoid. Yeah. But, you know, I just met two 20-year-olds that totally reject the whole fucking thing. They're just total vagabond hippies. and I love it. They just go where the wind blows. They eat out of dumpsters. They don't
0: care. <laughs> I love those freaking dumpster divers. Super smart people. I love it. Super
1: smart. These aren't people that just dropped out you know, thoughtlessly or are too fucked up to participate. They just chose not to.
0: Oh, yeah. Young people know a lot of stuff, too. It's not that you... Just because of your chronological age makes you... Inherently stupid. It's no, just, I'm not it's, saying that. I'm just yeah. saying that
1: there are things that you can only learn through experience and yeah. over time yeah, and yeah. by being able to reflect back. And you don't have that opportunity when you're in your 20s. So there's automatically oh, things yeah. you're not going to get. The plus of youth is is you see so many options. Oh, I know. You know. And we still have options. Yeah. Can
0: I tell you that I don't buy that? I, I think someone I did some interview and they're like, "Gosh, what do you you know? Do you feel like your options are so limited now?" And I'm like, "No. I mean." I can't be an astronaut. I can't be a football player. <laughs> right. There's certain things, but there's I there's a certain
1: lot of extreme things on the fringes wanna, that didn't yeah, make any fucking sense yeah. anyway. You know.
0: But I could theoretically become a doctor. I could go to school for ten years. My yeah. sister
1: is forty-seven. She's about to get her master's degree yeah. in uh, social justice from Cal State Berkeley. And fifteen years ago, she was twenty years ago. She was a heroin addict. There you go. So, and she just decided, you know, she got cleaned up and a bunch of other shit happened. And then, I don't know, maybe about 10 years ago, she decided this is what she wanted to do. There you go. And she enrolled in community college and started going part-time and super focused and got really good grades and just kept on going with the process and got into Berkeley and got into the the, uh, graduate program and... So
0: Berkeley. That's a really good school. Yeah,
1: that's no bullshit.
0: Wow. Yeah. Good for her. I know. I, I know the sister you speak of. Yes, I like do. her so much. Yes. Yeah. She's a really. You call niche. her the fun sister. She's a fun one. Yeah, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> she's fantastic. Yeah, she's. A but because I love people that have overcome adversity, I love people with horrible stories. Yes. Who turn it around? It's yes. like The coolest thing ever. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's just super real.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. You know that guy Andrew Zimmern, on um. The Travel Channel. No. Well, anyway, this guy Andrew Zimmern basically ripped off Anthony Bourdain's show where, he, you know, Anthony Bourdain used to eat gross stuff in, in foreign countries like he's right. the guy that eats the bugs in China. Right. Well, Andrew Zimmern kind of, in my opinion, took just that bit and now he eats gross shit and that's his whole show and he makes, I'm <laughs> sure, a ton of money doing it. <laughs> but Andrew Zimmern puts on this and sh- that's the culture. Yeah, and yeah, uh, but he puts on this whole like phony dad boner act he's like hey I'm here I'm going to eat the and, you're like, and uh, I know his history he was he's a heroin addict as well I saw him in an interview where he said he'd like stolen women's purses for drug money and like he was a total shithead when he was high and I'm like, that's the guy I want to know. Like, can't can't? Where's that Andrew Zimmern? Like, he can't. He doesn't know how to sell God. that, or he's not interested
1: in selling that.
0: I know, but I feel or the like, Travel
1: Channel isn't interested in selling that.
0: But I like that so much more. Like that honesty of, eh, yeah, this is what I used to be. And here's the amazing <laughs>
1: thing: is that that's what people want. People want authenticity. They want artists to take risks that they don't want to take
0: themselves. I know. You know what's the hard, the hardest thing about being a person is just being yourself. Isn't that interesting? Yes the most daring thing you can do is just say what's in your heart yes when it's I work so with comics crazy. i
1: i I love working with comics that have been doing comedy for a while, and because I have such a different point of view on it, you know, I take their acts away I'm not interested in your jokes about. Cabs.
0: Well, because it's all the same five formulas for joke writing and topics and crap you
1: know? right well it's the topics that are always uh, that i seem to think that where a lot of comics go wrong mm. and so i just take all that away and i just say okay authenticity before all else so let's start with that. Let's start with you being a human being and not an imperson- not somebody doing an impersonation of what they think a stand-up comic should be. Mm. So when you start from somebody being a human being, then it's easy to layer on the jokes.
0: Right. If you start from the core. Right. And so truth. all
1: of a sudden they have an authenticity to them. Mm-hmm. And I remember you saying that kind of in your comedy evolution that you had an epiphanatical moment
0: mm-hmm. where you
1: kind of realized that, you know, just you got to be you. You got to put your shit out there.
0: Yeah. Because there's a point in your life where you can't not say the stuff that's in your mind. And there's a point where you will become physically ill being somebody else up there. Well, you
1: come to the realization of irrelevance. Yeah. When you're talking about things that aren't relevant to you, then the audience audience shuts out completely.
0: For sure. Yeah. For sure. But I think it's so scary because you don't want to disappoint people. Right. You don't want people to not like you, and Mm -hmm. you know, in life, not just in comedy, but you're going to disappoint people all the time. They're just. Shit. I know, and I hate that. But they're not gonna. But you can't. That's the thing that you can't
1: control. And I think that if you, you, if you, you know, if you, I mean, we all learn to, kind of set our standard for how, we should treat people. Yeah. And I think when we live up to our own standard, you know, that's the best we can hope for.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because you can't control the outcomes. You can't control anything. But you can remain optimistic. You can remain positive. Right. right Now
1: that's that's why the thing with Mike. Ciccone, you know, because I didn't live up to my own moral compass.
0: And it bummed you out. Right. right yeah.
1: You know, and and, and and so I needed to rectify that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you did. I'm glad you did, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so am I. Oh, well,
0: there yeah. you go. And it was
1: in the, you know, and it's just one of those things that circles in the back of my mind that I knew I was going to have to deal with.
0: Mm. Why is it so hard to have conversations with people, like just to talk to people about like there's this person I have to confront who's being a fucking douchebag right now, mm-hmm. and the fear of the confrontation of that person not liking me—it's like consuming. It's like, oh, you're
1: not gonna like me. That's just, and it's interesting because people's chemistry. Because yeah. I see, I might not see you for a year, but as soon as I see you, I'm instantly comfortable. I can Same be thousand percent intimate. I feel thousand percent connected, yep. and it's just. I just, I guess that's just the way the chemistry that we have. Yeah. But I think it's also, just, I mean, I imagine you're like that with a lot of people.
0: Not a lot, honestly. I th- <laughs> I try. Right. Because I don't, I don't like small talk. I don't. I, I get bored. Yes. Um. And I, I just don't have time for it. Yes. I prefer just to get to the. Let's just be friends. Let's get real. You know, you know
1: real. what's funny is when I was hanging out with my mom uh, in Venice. She more so than ever in her life was just incredibly chatty with people. <laughs> just with strangers, like a woman who she liked her purse. And so she had a <laughs> yeah. long conversation. Oh, was this kind of beadwork is this and blah, 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 blah <laughs> and da da. da, da and, you know fun. and it just went on and on and on. Oh, we'll send a dessert to your table. And then there was another couple of people that were looking at a restaurant that my mom hates. And so she just went over and she said, Hey, if you want a better restaurant, mm-hmm. there's this place over here. <laughs> and she walked them over to the restaurant. <laughs> and just said, This is the best restaurant Venice, you know, it's just hysterical.
0: So she's getting engaged in other people's lives. Well, and
1: like. what she's done is she's released the fear of the judgment that you're carrying with this confrontation that yeah. you have to have. Oh,
0: God.
1: <sighs> yeah. That, that's what, that's what, that's just, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of funny because there are comics that work at Flappers a lot and are really funny at Flappers and then i you know i've talked to them and then they have a tough time when they go other places because we're a very warm place and it becomes your home club and that's where you're comfortable mm-hmm. but you know our goal as performers is to take that safety and make that internal so yes. it goes with us wherever ever we go mm-hmm. and so that's the goal you know like you've performed at the comedy store and i haven't been there in years and i'm super mm-hmm. intimidated to go oh, in it's, there
0: oh it's terrifying yeah
1: yeah yeah, and I just don't need that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> most most healthy people would go, "Hey, this is terrifying. I shouldn't do this. Uh, right. This is negative." Yeah, you know, uh, I don't know. No, I agree. It's it's not healthy. It's funny because every time I leave there, my husband will be like, "How was it?" And I'm like, "Terrible. It's terrible. It's always terrible. That's why I do it. It's just terrible." <laughs> but I go into it knowing, like, that's it eh, it's probably gonna suck. Oh, it's okay. But I go there to just kind of grind out the set, work on what I'm working on. I I turn it positive, and I I work on the stuff that I got to do. It's, right. it's my it's my job. Right, and then I go home. Yeah, you know, I hang out with some cool people, I say hi to my buddies, and then I come home. It's yeah. perfect. So yeah.
1: you get enough out of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just I do me, bro. Yes. To quote the situation. That's and Jersey that's Jersey Shore, and, yeah.
1: and that's that's uh, an optimistic point of view.
0: That's right. So I guess the point of the story is we're going to wrap it up is that I think. What it boils down to is like, there's two ways to be okay, you can be optimistic, and you can, or you can be pessimistic. And the thing is, if you're optimistic, it guides your thinking in a better way, is what I would suggest when, you know, rather than go down a negative mental spiraling path, because what that does, if you're if you're spiraling, and, and then you tend to act out of the spiral, and then that causes more problems. Right. At least optimism guides you in an upward. Optimism. Place. I think you said it earlier.
1: Is optimism is seeing a better a better outcome. Yeah. A, a better reality. A
0: path, and then working towards. Yeah. That even if thing, you don't yeah. see the path, even yeah. if all you yeah, can yeah. see
1: right now is you know here's a better vision. Yeah. And in seeing that vision, maybe you can start to create the path to get to that vision.
0: And there you go. You don't have to have all the answers. You no. just have to have a, a direction. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And I think that the other thing that that you know, I would hope people would take away is that, uh, realism being realistic is a path towards being optimistic Mm. because until you're realistic about what the situation is or what the dilemmas are or what the guilt is or whatever it is that you're dealing with until you are realistic about it, uh, you can't see a path. That path won't reveal itself because Mm. there's not, there's no, there there.
0: That's right. And, like, fuck Pollyanna. Fuck don't, Pollyanna. Don't be nice to everybody, because they, they don't all deserve your niceness. Dick Cheney
1: does not deserve there your you kindness. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's what we've learned on the show, that you would punch Dick Cheney out in a I dark would punch alleyway. I Dick Cheney out. There is no God, right, Dave?
1: There is no God. Okay.
0: The Jews are ruining everything. Here's the is real thing way? about oh. the
1: God thing, though. There might be a God. There, it, you don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. What difference does it make?
0: Well, it does, because it means that you're going to burn in hell. And I'm going to go to heaven and well, there's, enjoy the awesome in heaven. The so story, the, that.
1: the Christian story of God clearly doesn't sure. exist. You don't know. I know.
0: It's, it's, all, it's all possible. It's not probable, but it's possible. It's all possible. Bro, if all we know, Santa Claus could be the Easter bunny you don't well, that's know that's
1: absurd now, now you've what? gone too far what? What? i'm out of here this it's is bullshit <laughs> I'm going to the
0: beach right. well to thank you so Santa much Claus. thank you for coming dave reinitz thank um, you for check out flappers comedy club in burbank and in claremont go to the burbank comedy festival check out 99 funnies that's 99 percent spelled out p-r-c-e-n-t funnies I believe it's podcast.com, right? I think so. Or just dot com. Dot com. So thank you so much, Dave, and uh, it's been deep, bro. I appreciate it's, it's it. It's been deep. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with It's Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically
1: thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John
0: Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates? Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.